The semifinals are drawing to a close, and we could be seeing a potential Stanley Cup final matchup. What Tampa Bay is doing again this year, uh, we're going to talk about Vegas's goaltending situation, Arizona Coyotes news about their captain getting ready, and we could be in for one of the most wild off-seasons in recent memory. Episode 84 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Welcome in on a Tuesday, June the 22nd edition of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kyle Gamard here as your host. Uh, thank you to everybody. I got some responses from people about my article on the Hockey Writers. Another one is out right now involving the Vancouver Canucks. If you'd like to go uh, check that one out. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. My personal account at Kyle Grimard. On Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, in Spotify. And uh, what an episode today. We got a lot of things to talk about, a lot of drama, a lot of events taking place in the Stanley Cup playoffs, in the semifinal matchups. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning last night, they took even greater steps this postseason than they did the year prior. And they did that without Steven Stamkos. So we're going to talk about that. Vegas Golden Knights making a very risky, interesting goaltending change. That paid off for him for a game. But what happens now? We got to talk uh, news involving the Arizona Coyotes. And I mentioned it. This is this offseason. I don't think we realize how insane this offseason is going to be. So we'll discuss that in a little bit too. But let's start with the Stanley Cup final um, semifinal matchups right now. Last night, game five, Tampa Bay, New York Islanders. Islanders in game four tie the series up. Coliseum explodes. They go back to Tampa. And it, I think only Tampa went back to Tampa because Tampa Bay explodes for six goals in the first two periods. They win handily eight to nothing. They take a 3-2 series lead and have a chance to end this tomorrow night. Uh, I, I would say Tampa Bay is just, they're a team I, I want to cheer for. They're the team I, I wish I was a fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Steven Stamkos, two goals and assists, his first two goals of the uh, of the playoffs or of the uh, uh, third round. Brain Point scored again. Brain Point, I believe, notched the second longest career goal scoring streak in an NHL playoff history. He scored for the, I'm just pulling it up here, but he scored a goal, had an assist. He extended his goal streak to eight games. It's the second longest goal streak in Stanley Cup playoff history. He passed uh, John Drews of the Washington Capitals, Pat LaFontaine, Claude Lemieux, Mario Lemieux, Maurice Richard, John Beliveau, and Joe Sackick. Only Reggie Leach is ahead of them with 10 goals as a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. He has 13 goals and five assists in 16 games. It's unbelievable. The other numbers, too. I think in his career, he has 80-something. He's got 80-something points in his first 60 career playoff games, which is just, he is the epitome of a playoff performing forward. Like, he's just, he's come out of, last year, he came out of nowhere. And then everyone was like, well, last year was an anomaly. Stamkos is back. No, he's just kept it going. And I just, I need to make this, apparent this doesn't just happen not the brain point thing which it doesn't not just 
the Lightning being back in the semifinals. Because that happens. We saw it happen. Eight nothing games don't just happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the semifinals down to the final four teams. You don't just win eight nothing. You don't just win eight nothing against arguably the best defensive team left in the playoffs. You also don't win eight nothing against the best defensive team in the semifinals against one of the best coaches. They scored 45 seconds in Stamkos, his first goal of the series. They never looked back. I can't remember a team. The last time I remember a team this dominant en route to the Stanley Cup playoffs or finals or win or whatever was the the lockout shortened season in what was it, 2013, 2014 Chicago Blackhawks. They ran away with the regular season. They ran through the playoffs. They were just, it just seemed like they were the only team that was ready to go. And they just, they made an absolute mockery of whoever they played. This is kind of familiar. They're losing games. I was talking to a friend about this. So even when Tampa's losing games, they're not losing them. Like, you're not watching that game. Like, man, Tampa just did not look good in this one. Like, Tampa's in every, like, Tampa barely lost game four because of a sprawling, was it Ryan Pollock or Adam Pellick, one of the two guys that did the sprawling skate or, like, glove save on the goal line to rob McDonough of a spinorama beautiful goal? Like, that was the difference between this series being over and this series going back to game six at the Coliseum. That's the difference maker. And everyone's talking about to, you know, because you know, refer- refereeing, I'm not going to talk about refereeing in this episode because the refereeing is just, it's not been there. Um, and it's a big issue. And it's, and it's really not in favor of promoting stars and star players. And it's not promoting the game to go in that direction. It's promoting cross checks and slashes and punches to the head and boarding and all that stuff. And it's going for more grittier players who aren't as skilled. But Tampa Bay, up and down. I talked about this. They might have the most complete team. It's it's the most complete team I think I've ever seen. I mentioned this on an earlier episode. But they have, at one point, the best player at each position of forward group, defense, and goaltender over the last three years. Nikita Kucherov's won a Hart Trophy. Stamkos is a 50-goal scorer. Braden Point was almost the Conn Smythe winner last year. Had it not been for the defenseman that they have in Victor Hedman. Oh, and Andre Vasilevsky has a Vesna Trophy and is nominated again this year. Like, they have a top one, two, or three player at a forward group, defense, and goaltending group. You could then argue Kucherov then maybe is top five. But no other team has that. The last team I remember that genuinely had that was the Pittsburgh Penguins like 10 years ago when they had peak Sid before he got hurt. Chris Letang, who was perennial all-star and one of the best defensemen in hockey. And Marc-Andre Fleury, who was sensational back in his prime in Pittsburgh. That's the last team I remember that really did this. And they went on to win three Stanley Cup championships in like a 10-year window. You want to know how to how you build success? Get the get a top five player at forward, defense, and goalie. 
clearly that's how you do it. Another fun stat that I that I saw too of the four remaining teams, if you include Mark Andre Fleury as the goaltender for Vegas, all four starting goaltenders are first round picks. Simeon Varlamov for the Washington Capitals, Vasilevsky of Tampa Bay back in 2012, Carey Price went seventh overall to Montreal. Mark Andre Fleury was the first overall pick. All of them, and by the way, if you want to go deeper and go Robin Leonard, he's a second round pick. So not much further. So high round, high pick goaltenders are stealing the show right now in the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's no dark horse fourth round pick who's coming out of left field and walking their way to a Smythe trophy. Not a Tim. There's no Tim Thomases. There's no John the Quicks. I know I think Quick was a third, second or third round pick, but all of them first round picks. If you include Flurry instead of Leonard, if it's Leonard, it's a second. Vasilevsky's a first. Varlamov's a first. Price is a first. And Flurry was first overall. That's dominating right now. It's dominating. It's going to make teams rethink how they build their teams. The Islanders are making you think how you rebuild teams. Final four for the second straight year. But Tampa Bay is the template. Now, how do you go out and get the best defenseman, the best forward, or one of the best forwards and one of the best goalies? Um, I don't. I, you get lucky. You live in an area where there's no state tax. Players take a little less. You get to keep everybody. I heard this on another podcast. Their third pairing, their third pairing on defense for Tampa Bay is Mikhail Sergachev and David Savard. Sergachev, who makes like $7 million and would be a top four defenseman anywhere, and Savard, who you traded a first round pick for. I think I talked about this on the last episode. It still baffles me, though. But you don't just see this. Like, this doesn't just happen. Semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs don't genuinely spit out 8 nothing convincing, dominating wins for a team against the other team who's notably one of, if not the best defensive team left. Doesn't happen. Um, I think Tampa's on another level. Tampa's going to win back-to-back. I, I remember before the playoffs started, I said I, I had Colorado as my pick. I thought they were going to break through. But Colorado just didn't. Colorado is like a notch below where I think Tampa Bay is. Colorado's almost there. They're almost there, but they don't have that ability to adapt, to grow, to develop, to get better. I think they have the works of getting two-thirds of the top player from each forward defense and goaltending grouping. You got McKinnon there. McCarr's going to be, he's he's nominated for the Norse. And then Grubauer was a Vesna candidate, but he's still not, I guess thought of as one of the best goaltenders in the league, though. Again, he's a high-end pick of the Washington Capitals. Man, Washington is just losing goaltenders left, right, and center. Oh, man. But anyways, uh, they're a wagon. They're 11-1 and this postseason when they score the first goal. They're 0-4 when they don't. You want to know the secret to beating the Tampa Bay Lightning? Score first. But even then, I don't... I don't know. I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even take that. 11-1. So if they score first, they're off and running. Don't let Tampa score first. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next series. So Vegas-Montreal. This has been a way closer series than I could have even imagined it to be. But, you know, I said, I said, at first I thought Vegas was going to be able to handle this in about 5-6. And then it got me thinking that Montreal reminds me a lot of the 2017 Ottawa Senators. And uh, that year, they took... The eventual Stanley Cup winning Pittsburgh Penguins to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals before losing in overtime. 
And it just got me. It was very reminiscent of the two teams. And I said, this series is going to be a lot closer than I think. This thing could go six, seven games and could go in a one goal game or even overtime. Well, I said that and their last two games have gone to overtime. Montreal winning the first one on an gaff of a giveaway. Like this series right now should be 3-1 Vegas. But that's not how hockey works. Game three, Vegas dominates. Price makes 40-something saves. Mon- or Vegas is up 2-1. Montreal dumps the puck in. Price bob- or, um, Flurry bobbles the puck. Josh Anderson finishes. And then right in overtime, Josh Anderson scores another one off a beautiful pass. And all of a sudden, Montreal steals one. Vegas then makes the decision. This is a risky decision. Flurry's a Vesna finalist. He's been one of the hotter goaltenders in the postseason. And they go with Robin Leonard for game four. And I got to be honest with you. I thought this was a huge mistake. My big thing, right? I've never been a big fan of like tandem goaltending. But if you've got a tandem, whatever guy you pick at the start of round one, whatever you figured out by game two or three, that's the guy you go with. And that was Flurry. Right, Leonard started, won great, Flurry went in, and absolutely rode with him. And then the Colorado series, Leonard started, yanked, Flurry then rode the rest of it. Robin Leonard comes in, and Vegas squeaks out a game four victory, 3-2 in overtime. I believe the high scoring, uh, high danger scoring chances. I don't know if it was all game longer in in regulation or 18 to 1 for Montreal. So it shows you it was a roll of the dice. But head coach Pete DeBoer, he gambled and he made the right one. Robin Leonard was great. I'm assuming he's going again tonight. Yeah, right here. Habs won the high danger scoring chance battle by an astounding 18 to 1 margin according to Natural Stat Trick. DeBoer said he realized that goaltending was capable of heroic efforts and uh, he knew he'd be good. Now, a little cocky, I understand that, but listen, when you make a gamble like that and it pays off, I think you're allowed to be. I wouldn't have done it. I would have went back to Flurry. Maybe that's the wrong move. But that's a Stanley Cup birth defining move. Going back to Flurry or thinking Robin Leonard is going to be the guy. I think Robin Leonard is going to be the guy. Now moving forward, because now, because here's the thing about the, the the dual goaltenders, right? Having two guys, the, the tandem. If you, you can switch, but you can't just keep switching back and forth, back and forth. Once Vegas makes this switch, you can't go back to Flurry tonight, in my opinion. Like now you've made the move. You've committed to Leonard. Until Leonard messes up, you got to go with Leonard. That's, and that's just how I feel. And this is probably why I'm not a coach in the NHL. But you went with Flurry this whole time. Flurry made a mistake. You went with Leonard. Leonard stole you game four. You go back to Leonard. Now you're at home. You're back in Vegas. You got 18,000 fans that are going to be there. You ride Leonard again. And if he's great, great. If he's not, go back Go back to Flurry. Uh, I don't know. This, this is why I can't do this. This is why I'm, once I have a guy, he's my guy. It makes the decision process way easier. He knows he's the guy, unless he's like legitimately getting outplayed. But Flurry's not getting outplayed. Flurry made one mistake in Game Three that cost him his starting Game Four. 
That's it. That's all that happens. And Flurry's been a goaltender of the past who has let situations and scenarios get to his head. And we've seen it in Pittsburgh. It's why Matt Murray was in favor there. It's why Murray was starting in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs for two of the three cups that they won there. It's why Flurry was exposed and he went to Vegas. I still like Flurry, but I, at, the, at this point, once you've made the switch, I you got to go back with, with Robin Leonard. So th- this is going to be a fun series. Again, I'm not going to get too into the refereeing. The refereeing, I'm assuming, will be a little bit better tonight just based on the scrutiny it's received over the last few days or so, especially last game, with nothing really being called. Punches to the head, boarding, cross-checking, slashing, you know, arm-barring. Like, everything is legal, basically, at this point, so... We'll see how that goes, but he's been some fun series so far. A uh, quick news note here before we get to some other news. Uh, JT Brown, former Tampa Bay Lightning forward and spent a few other seasons uh, with the Minnesota Wild and a couple other teams, uh, has announced his retirement and has been hired on by the Seattle Kraken as a television analyst for their inaugural season. Also spent some seasons with the Anaheim Ducks and, uh, like I said, Tampa Bay and Minnesota Wild. He's uh, still relatively young, only 30 years of age. But, uh, you know, this was a, a move for for Seattle. They they liked him as a player, both on and off the ice. Uh, he said he's excited for his opportunity for his career within Hockey World to continue to join an organization that is dedicated to making forward progress within the sport. And I look forward to the ability of making a lasting impact on the game that I've loved over 20 years. Five years. Um, if you remember too, off the ice, Brown has been a major supporter of increasing diversity and inclusion in the game of hockey. He has supported uh, the Black Girls Hockey Club that works with making hockey more inclusive for black women and girls and has used his presence as a Twitch streamer to raise funds for the NHL's Hockey is for Everyone campaign. Um, just a great advocate for the game, a great advocate for, uh, you know, the diversity and having equality within the game of hockey. And in all honesty, I think he's going to make a great fit down there in Seattle. So good on Brown, good on the Kraken. Uh, very excited to be working with them. And uh, yeah, he made that announcement on his uh, Instagram page. But JT Brown going to be joining the television analyst crew for the Seattle Kraken. Okay, so let's move on here. I want to talk about the, amazingly, I want to talk about the Arizona Coyotes here. And uh, this is this is stuff we heard about last year. And it's coming back around this year. But Captain of the Arizona Coyotes, for now, Oliver ekman Larson is on the trade block once again, entering the process with a more open mind this time around. He was involved in trade rumors last offseason, but reportedly um, wasn't willing to accept a move to either only the Boston Bruins or the Vancouver Canucks by using his full no-movement clause. Now, this year, Coyotes and ekman Larson, they're going to be using a different approach. They're saying what ekman Larson has told me and the Coyotes, so what the Coyotes have agreed to is this. We're going to go out there. We're going to check the market. We're going to we're going to go and bring you a deal. And then you can decide what's comfortable for you and for the team. So that was from Elliot Friedman uh, reporting on Saturday uh, headlines. He is, I believe he's still got four or five years left on an annual cap hit of $8.25 million, actually six seasons remaining on a cap hit of $8.25 million, according to Cap Friendly. Um, you know, he's had a rough last couple of years or so. He only had three goals and 21 assists in 46 games this past season, averaging just under 21 minutes uh, time on ice per game. His underlying numbers have been tough too. Now I will say this, the money for Ekman Larson, little steep. I'm assuming as part of the deal when he gets traded, there will be some cap retained by the Arizona Coyotes. 
But like I said about Seth Jones, and I'm not putting Ekman Larson in Seth Jones' category, but I'm saying this. His value will never be lower. Last year in the trade market, right, maybe the price was a little too high for Boston, a little too high for the Vancouver Canucks. This year, they've got a whole other year. His numbers didn't get better. And Arizona's now more open to moving him, and he's more open to a deal elsewhere. I wonder, I wonder if someone gets him for pennies on the dollar and he ends up flourishing on a little bit of a reduced cap hit. Let's say, let's say Arizona eats 1.25 or 2.25 million, putting him at a six or seven million dollar cap hit. And I've always thought this, and I've really seen this with a lot of players, but you are a product of where you play. Prime example, Taylor Hall. Buffalo, two goals in like 36 games. Goes to Boston, eight goals in 14, or whatever the number was. You're a product of where you play. Phil Kessel. 80-plus point seasons in Pittsburgh, 90-point seasons almost. He's even having 30-something goal seasons in Toronto. Now I know he's getting older, but he gets moved to Arizona. And in two years, slowly fluttered and flailed out. Seth Jones. Columbus was good for a few years. They were making playoff runs. They swept Tampa. They beat Toronto a couple years ago. Seth Jones was playing like 30 minutes a night. He sets. He has the record for the most amount of minutes played in a single playoff game in NHL history. This year, he's not. Columbus ain't great, so his value goes down. When your team doesn't play well, you know, you ne- you necessarily don't play well. I, I back to Buffalo for a second. Jack Eichel's going to get traded. Jack Eichel's a cornerstone second overall player who's going to get value back. But, like, if Buffalo was good, Buffalo wouldn't be trading him. I'm very intrigued to see where where he could go. Apparently, teams last year that were not on his trade list that could be involved this year include the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers were reportedly among the other teams to show interest last summer, along with Boston and Vancouver. Ekman Larson, you know, very loyal guy, said he wants to stay. All he wants to do is stay in Arizona. But if his time comes, you know, I just, I'm very curious. If if his cap gets retained by 1.25 or a couple million dollars, how does that, how does that work? Does he go to a team like, a, I don't know, St. Louis? Does he go to a team like a Boston Boston was interested last year. I just don't think they had the money. Does he go to a team like Edmonton, who's got phenomenal forward support, right? And they got a bunch of young guys. They've got Oscar Clefbaum and Darnell Nurse and Adam Larson, Tyson Berry. I know they got some guys to resign, but a change of scenery sometimes does the player wonders. And especially if the change of scenery is from a place like Arizona to a place like Boston. We saw it with Taylor Hall. We've seen it with Phil Kessel. 
We've seen both sides of it. We've seen a player go from a really good team to a really bad team and struggle. We've seen a player go from a really bad team to, to go to a really good team who starts to struggle, gets moved, and all of a sudden is back to playing the way people expected you to play. Could very well be the case. And as we transition here, it's a perfect transition talking about a player like Oliver ekman Larson who's on the market. You know, we it feels like to me that we have heard more chatter than I can remember in an offseason in I don't know how many years. Even with the Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft, we're hearing captains on the market, guys not coming back to resign, players are going to get astronomical. Some players are getting value for based on where they played. Dougie Hamilton's requesting to move. Seth Jones ain't going back to Columbus. Ryan Getzlaff might not be in a Ducks uniform. Oliver Ekman Larson's on the move. There's the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. Zach Hyman's going to get like $6 million on the open market because he played with Matthews and Marner. This offseason is going to be as wild as I can possibly remember. And, and, and there's a few different reasons. On top of the expansion draft, you got to remember, the offseason is going to be shortened this year because the NHL wants next season to start on regular on their regular schedule timing, right? In October, right? Training camp happens in September. You had the expansion draft. You had the flat cap. Teams not being able to afford certain contracts. They're trying to move them, eat some cap one way, trade some big name players. You know, the joke for a while has been, you know, when the, the draft happens and free agency hits, that it's kind of been dull and dead over the last few years. Really, the peak of it was like, what was it, like the 2012 season where there was like 67 deals made on day one alone. There there are young, big money stars being rumored in trades like Jack Eichel, who's probably getting moved, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, Seth Jones, Dougie Hamilton, Ekman Larson, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan out in Calgary, Nugent Hopkins could become available. It's nuts. I think this is, I mean, the playoffs are still going on, but I, I can't remember this much offseason talk before the offseason was even here. It's here for some teams, but it's not like here, here. This could go down as one of the busier, the crazier off-seasons. Not just based on the, the amount of moves that get made, but the volume and the, and the magnitude of players involved. Like, all of Buffalo's on the market. Jack Eichel could be getting moved. Sam Reinhart could be getting moved. Rasmus Ristolainen could be getting moved. Out in Calgary, they're doing a big reshuffle. Toronto's doing a reshuffle. Morgan Riley could be traded. Mitch Marner apparently is a guy who, if like, of the four, quote-unquote, big guys... Right, that $11 million cap, what team could take that on? Players are going into markets. Some of them are going to get, like, there, there is a genuine possibility. And I'm not making this up. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. But, like, Taylor Hall and Zach Hyman are going to get close money. Like, Zach Hyman could sign in Edmonton at $6 million over a five-year contract, and Taylor Hall could stay in Boston on a, 
five or six year contract worth seven million per year. In what world did you ever think that Zach Hyman and Taylor Hall would be within a million dollars of one another? That could legitimately happen. But remember what I said about about Ekman Larson and Taylor Hall with Zach Hyman. You are a product of where you play. If Zach Hyman's going to make that money, you better be damn sure you're going to a team that plays you in a role similar to how you were played in Toronto. Because Toronto, Zach Hyman, is as good as he's going to be. He played exclusively on the top six with either Matthews and Marner or Tavares and Nylander, and he racked up 20-plus goals for the last two or three years. Banging in goals, the hard-working forward, and I love his game. I love that he's going to be go out and get paid. But if you go to a team like Philadelphia, I don't know. Edmonton's apparently rumored to love him. Edmonton would work. Why? Because they're a similar setup. Superstar center who needs a crash and bang winger and a guy who can score some greasy goals. Philadelphia, I don't know if it would work. Because you got you got Claude Giroux who's kind of slowed down a little bit. And you got Voracek who's also slowed down a little bit. And you got Van Riemsdyk, Couturier's, I guess. I just, I, I don't, I just, I, his fit is so specific to me. But I mean, who knows at this point? But there are going to be a lot of teams, not just with the players that are going to become available with the expansion draft and guys that they want to sign, but in order to sign those players, have to move some of their money around in order to make room to sign those players. We're going to see a lot more of what Vegas did this past year in acquiring Alex Petrangelo. They let some guys go. They traded Nate Schmidt to the Canucks in order to make cap room to bring on Petrangelo. Why I'm seeing articles and rumors about, you know, if if so-and-so wants this player, like if the Leafs want to go get Seth Jones, they got to move Morgan Riley, or they got to move Mitch Marner, or if Toronto wants a winger to replace Zach Hyman, they got to move Morgan Riley. Like it's... It's wild. I'm looking at other teams. Like, Edmonton's got their own issues right now. If Edmonton wants Zach Hyman, if Edmonton wants uh, Dougie Hamilton, well, you can't bring back Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And then Nugent Hopkins becomes available. And then Calgary goes, well, I want Nugent Hopkins. He'd be a great fit here. He was great there. But we got to move Johnny Gaudreau or we got to trade Sean Monaghan. But then he can go here. We need another defense. Like, there's just, there's so much chaos and crazy going on. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that this is our offseason because this is going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be frantic. It's going to be condensed and then thrown in an expansion draft and and an actual draft and free agency. And then training camps are starting in September, which is less like just over two months away. And the playoffs are still going on. We still got to know all the whole other round after this. I'm amped. I'm amped and ready to go for this. I'm seeing all kinds of rumors of guys who who might be going where, who could be going here. It's unbelievable. And the, and the values of some of these players are crazy too. Like right-hand shot defensemen, cornerstone bona fide number one centers, insane playmaking wingers, captains. I, there's never been this kind of value, in my opinion. Like Gabriel Landeskog is, might become available if Colorado cannot find a way to sign him. I think they will. Ovechkin's got to get re-signed by Washington. Like, there's just, there, oh, there's so many underlying things here. I can't wait for it. 
more as as we draw closer and closer to this date too, we will start to see and start to understand who's going to be available, who's trying to get re-signed. I know Rod Brindamore, remember that, dragged out for a bit, and then he got re-signed. There's a lot of goaltenders. Like, is Tuka Rask going to stay? He's hurt. Will Boston re-sign him? Are they going to go out and sign, I don't know, just a, a tandem to have two two backup or two, uh, two like, 1A, 1B goaltenders? Does Edmonton go out and finally get a goalie? Like, do they just spend the money and go get Frederick Anderson? Edmonton, at this point, should just take two of Toronto's players. Go get Zach Hyman. Go get Frederick Anderson. Go get those two players. They are literally the players you need. You're getting Oscar Clefbaum back from, from his injury. You're not losing Darnell Nurse, who's become a monster. Keep Adam Larson. Lose Nugent Hopkins. Lose Mike Smith. Buy out Koskinen. Bring in Freddie. Bring in Hyman. Changes everything for him. Changes everything. You can now balance McDavid Dreisaitl. It just, it makes so much sense for them. I will honestly, I would cheer for Edmonton a little bit if they signed those two guys. Those two are my favorite players. Two of my favorite players on Toronto. If they got them, I'd, I'd legitimately cheer for the for the Oilers. But uh, a couple other news and notes before we uh, head on out of here. Uh, some news reporting the Canadians interim head coach, Dominic Ducharme. He said Sunday that he remained symptom-free two days after testing positive for COVID-19. He has not been on the bench for the last two games for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he was wearing his dark blue-collared Canadian shirt, and uh, he spoke to the media, an undisclosed location, for about 12 minutes, just reporting, saying that he's fine. He said he wished he could be at the rink, but he just doesn't feel uh, he doesn't feel different than he did a week earlier, but... You got to go through the protocol, especially not just on like a false positive or like close contact, but he legitimately tested positive for it. So um, hopefully he'll have a chance to get back to the bench at some point. But uh, that was back before they were going to play game four. Game five is tonight. He's still not going to be on the bench. So if Montreal is to advance, they probably won't get him until the Stanley Cup finals if they do advance to it. Uh, A couple of awards to give away and a couple ones to announce. The Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Jacob Slavin. Just edged out Toronto Maple Leafs forward Austin Matthews and Minnesota Wild Captain Jared Spurgeon for the 2021 Lady Bing Memorial Trophy. It is given to the player has, quote, adjusted to having exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. Uh, 27-year-old, this is a crazy stat. He's just the fourth defenseman ever to win the award in the 96-year history of it. Brian Campbell uh, was the last to do it back in 2012. Red Kelly won it three times in 51, 53, and 54. And uh, Bill Quackenbush back in 1948 also won the trophy. So congratulations to Jacob Slate. Well-deserved award. Uh, This guy for the last two years I think has had like eight penalty minutes. It's been stupid. He's one of the best defensemen on Carolina. And then Alexander Barkov for the Florida Panthers was named the Frank J. Selkie Trophy winner as the forward who best excels in the defensive aspects of the game. He beat up Mark Stone and Patrice Bergeron, who are the other finalists. Uh, He is the fifth player in NHL history to win both the Lady Bing and the Selkie Trophy, joining Pavel Datsuk, Ron Francis, Anze Kopitar, and Ryan O'Reilly. Within recent memory, Pavel Datsuk, Kopitar, and O'Reilly doing it within the last 10 years. Datsuk was the absolute king at doing that and still has been and will always be one of my favorite players in, uh, in NHL history. Uh, but that is it for today's episode. Thank you for joining in. Not as long as the last couple have been, but uh, but nevertheless, still a good one. Follow me along on Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. We could have by Friday a Stanley Cup Finals matchup. 
Maybe a trade happens between now and then. We'll see. Until then, I'll see you on Friday. That's a wrap.